Let us pray. God who rests, we want more than a life live exhausted, that you have woven healing rhythms of rest into our minds and bodies. Remind us we are worthy of habitual restoration. Keep us from apologizing for our own healing, that we would enter a deep belief that when we pause or rest, we are restoring not only our own bodies, but the very condition of a world held captive by exhaustion and utility. We grow weary of societies who view us as more machine than human, more product than soul. The fear that we won't survive without overworking stalks our days. Liberate us from the depraved socioeconomic structures that require that the poor and vulnerable sacrifice their own rest at the altar of survival and opportunity. Protect us from fear as we rest with you and breathe with you. Amen. Please be seated. A beautiful prayer by one of my favorite uh, writers and creators, Cole Arthur, Arthur Riley, and she is the creator of Black Liturgies. Today's Old Testament lesson is one probably very well known to many of us. Hannah is such a unique and essential character in our story. She's one of the two wives of Elkanah, one of the very few women named in the Old Testament. Mother of the prophet Samuel, and she goes above her pain to act towards her desire of becoming a mother in today's part of our lesson. Now, all these reasons are special and unique to Hannah. We don't always talk about why this made her an important character, but we can quickly see the impact of all these tiny details, especially if we think of when this was taking place in this story. Hannah had been wanting a child for a while now and was reminded of her barrenness by Elkanah's second wife, and I would assume just by the presence of their children. In our lesson, Hannah rose and presented herself to the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Now we do know how this story ends. Hannah becomes the mother of the prophet Samuel and she follows through with what she had promised God she would do. We hear her prayer that is similar to the Magnificat similar narratives for how these two women are portrayed in the Bible. Both Mary and Hannah, a miracle. But what if we, this morning, meditated on Hannah's bitter weeping? Now, I'm not sure what wept bitterly meant in her own context at the time, but I can imagine that Hannah was in distress with her situation. Pregnancy is a complex topic, but I know that here at Trinity, we are always ready for complex topics. I can tell you about my personal experience, which is probably similar yet will be completely different for so many. Don and I have been married for six years, I think, I'm almost certain, five or six. Um, and about a year ago, we decided that we were, we were ready to grow as a family. Um, we were praying about this 
we have been in, you know, we have been living in Austin for seminary and then moved back and decided that we were at a place where we could do this. We had support, we had our families here. And so we tried for about six months. And after that second month of not seeing anything happen, my mind was going to those dark places, you know, the, the, all the what ifs that had crept in. Was there something wrong with us? We were frustrated, we were upset. And then finally, we got a, a positive pregnancy test. And for this child, we prayed, as Tana did in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27. Of course, what does one do immediately after finding out that they are pregnant? Yes, I did get on my knees and I did pray and thank God, but I also got on the internet to do all of the research that I possibly could. And that was pretty overwhelming. Some of the things, some of the messages I got, do not schedule a visit with your OBGYN until after the eighth week. Don't tell anyone until the 12th week, the end of the first trimester because of the risk of miscarriage. So there was that. And then I decided to dive a little deeper. And I've told you guys that I'm on the Enneagram on the six, so I'm always thinking of, you know, what could possibly go wrong, right? So I, I, I wanted to search. And you know, sometimes you go down those rabbit holes. Maybe, no, not anybody else? Well, I went all in. And I started asking questions. What causes a miscarriage? What is the percentage of women having miscarriages today in 2021? And some of this information is so alarming. Research has shown that black women experience all types of pregnancy loss, including miscarriage, more often than others. And for Latinas, a group I identify with, there is little to no research on this. I think this is to the lack of our, our desire, our willingness, or our openness to have conversations around pregnancy in our communities of color. And honestly, I think it is a conversation that we are all afraid to have regardless of our backgrounds. And those first 12 weeks were very lonely. Yes, there was a time to be in prayer and to rejoice with Dan, my husband, but it was challenging. And all of those things can all be true and exist at the same time. So after those 12 weeks, I found out that it is safer to share. Of course, we immediately shared it with our families, our friends, and the special communities that we belong to. Yet there is still no guarantee of a baby arriving in February. Because only after 24 weeks gestation is the baby considered viable. So all of these facts and all of these factors, yet Hannah was determined. Though mocked and ridiculed by Penina over and over again. And obviously Eli the priest does not understand this pain, this feeling that Hannah 
is experiencing. He thinks she is drunk when she is praying silently. Now, during the time that this story was taking place, prayers were usually not silent. And this, this myth may be one of the reasons why Eli believes that Hannah is drunk. But regardless, I can't imagine the added layer of pain for Hannah. How many times have you said a silent prayer? Those prayers seem to be the ones our hearts desire the most. Hannah asked specifically for what she wanted. A lot of waiting involved. Theologians believe that Penina became the second wife, possibly because of her ability to have children, which gives us an idea of this waiting period. And on another time, I would love to go into Penina and what that means for Penina. The text supports this as it tells us that Hannah was given two portions because Elkanah loved her even though the Lord had closed her womb. And similarly, like Hannah, the priests longed for a coming in our Hebrews passage this morning. And everything changed when Christ came. We are now reminded that with a single offering, he perfected those who sanctified for all time. A new future for all. This future that seems to be mentioned through our gospel lesson. This was taking place the last week of Jesus' earthly life. By this time, Jesus had been baptized by John, had called his disciples, healed many, upset religious authorities, had taught using parables, and fed over 5,000. We pick up where Jesus is leaving the temple. Leaving what the disciples say is large stones and large buildings, a phrase that helps us to assume that this structure is beautiful and of great awe for them. Jesus is having to remind his disciples about the importance of relying on God rather than these objects. We must not be obsessed with these times. The disciples wanted to know when exactly this would happen. And I am guessing to better prepare. But the message that Jesus is leaving them with is to look at a future with hope. A future with hope is also our stewardship campaign message for this year. And a theme around hard and difficult conversations struck out to me in all of our lessons today, including stewardship campaign for me. This is my second year here at, well, first stewardship campaign here at Trinity. The first one was during COVID and you know, that's kind of a blur. I don't remember what happened then, but, um, but we are all having to do something new. And, and speaking on about stewardship, it's difficult when you realize that you, you are also involved in it and it involves you and financially. But it's also an invitation for us to start engaging in these conversations. What are we being called to today? 
If you don't like what is happening here at Trinity, how could you help to, to have a, a conversation about making it better or changing it? And if you do like and love how things are being done, how can we create more of that life-giving or those sustainable ministries here? I invite you to consider looking and, and checking out what we have on our social, on social media, on Facebook, on our website, to consider what all of these things look like for you specifically. We give of our time, our talents, and our treasures as we are able. I invite you to listen to your vestry members who have all, who have all tried to put together videos to invite you and to prepare for this campaign. Eric mentioned that it is difficult during COVID, coming out of COVID, how do we, how do we hope for a better future? How do we plan? And there is no small way of, of, of no small contribution, whether you're with your time and your talent. We have, we have endless possibilities. We have volunteers running our, our streams, our live streams here. We have volunteers making sandwiches. We have volunteers officiating and greeting for evening prayer Monday through Friday. We have Bible studies Sundays. We have these different ministries that you are invited to also participate and recognize that those are also gifts and talents that you are giving back to God in your own unique way. And Terry reminds us that she doesn't give because she thinks it'll, it, it'll mean that she'll have this wonderful, great, big reward when she gets to heaven, but rather the, the immediate impact that she is having in this community here at Trinity. And the way that she loves by giving of what she has. So I invite you all to consider what these difficult conversations look like for you today. May we walk together to listen to where God is calling Trinity to go, while we also wait for our own individual locations or our own individual callings in Christ. Amen.